On behalf of our teacher, uh, Reverend Sonha, I'd like to welcome everybody here, particularly people here for the first time. I think there are a few people who... Are you, are you here for the first time? Oh, good, thank you. And you're here for the first time. Anybody else? Oh, oh great, we've got four or five people here. Yeah, welcome. We were just talking about that last night, actually. We had our uh, annual um, uh, Lunar New Year uh, Sangha Day, and we had a potluck meal, and we had a, a service. And uh, as part of that, we had uh, Kapum uh, did a little um, presentation on the, the temple and how it's done last year. And also we're talking about new members and try to, to generate more interest uh, in, in people becoming members and what have you. So uh, it's, it's very inspiring to see people coming. and uh, You know, building the community, I guess, is what we're talking about. And uh, I kind of think of our community as like this, this rug that you're sitting on that Sanha put together. Uh, it's sort of a, a bunch of squares, and uh, most of them are different, and they're all held together by, you know, <laughs> by thread. And, uh, you know, occasionally you see, like, certain threads go through to other ones, but, you know, we're all sort of together, but we're all separate here. And uh, I kind of think of that as a uh, sort of an analogy of our retreats, you know, and... Uh, our, our services to some extent, you know, we're, well, the, the meditation formula uh, that uh, uh, Samusunam has come up with is uh, meditation, which is our primary practice, is concentration. And concentration is oneness, oneness is no self and no other. No self and no other is no birth and death, no birth and death is true suchness. Uh, but that sense of oneness uh, is very important, and uh, that sort of, sort of sense of uh, intimacy. Uh, Kapum's doing. Uh, uh, are you doing? Where is Kapum? Oh, there you are. Are you doing that today? Is and and what's the name of the? The book is called Most Intimate. Yeah. By New York uh, Roshi Pat and O'Hara, and today we're talking about a very everyday thing to be intimate with work. Ah. And that's after the service, about 12 o'clock. Uh, and talking about intimacy, uh, after we had our, our winter young Minjunjin, I think it was a New Year's Day service, at the end of the service, Haju uh, Sunam came up to me, and she, she sort of took my hands, or took my hand, and, in her hand, and she said, I, I want to look at your hand. <laughs> and uh, she said, you have real working man's hands, you know. And then she was showing me her hands. You know, and she said uh, that she never wanted to have her mother's hands, but she has them now, you know. And they're, they're very beautiful, but I thought that, you know, I mean, that was a, a truly kind of spontaneous and I thought intimate kind of, you know, people don't normally grab your hand. And, and uh, uh, our uh, Zen uh, interview, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, things you're looking at, uh, what, what do they call that? The intimate, immediate, spontaneous, and obvious. Is yeah. there a name for that? Uh, yeah. no, everyday Zen experience. Everyday Zen experience. So intimate, immediate, spontaneous, and obvious. You know, something kind of earthy, something, you know, non-conceptualized. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, I started, I got up this morning, and I've, I've 
I, I haven't been feeling very well. I had a bit of a flu there, and I was sort of half awake, and I started writing about mindfulness, and I thought it was pretty dry, but, you know, it, <laughs> you know, I was reading, you know, Wikipedia and, and things like that, and I, I, I kind of thought, I don't really want to talk about mindfulness. I mean, mindfulness is so prevalent. Everything you read is about mindfulness. And uh, I was thinking, is there not a word for bodyfulness? You know, it, because that's really what Haju was talking about quite often on the retreat and in, in the interviews with me and to the group generally, is to kind of embody your practice, to kind of get back into your body, uh, make it more somatic. And uh, uh, like personally, you know, like for example, you know, after we do the sittings, we go through the, uh, you know, those movements. I've done them thousands of times and thousands of times. I still don't exactly know the process. I'm sort of looking out of the side of my eye at, at Sanha to make sure I'm doing them correctly. They're not very complicated. I sort of know how to do them, but not exactly, because that's sort of my blind spot is, you know, kind of body awareness, uh, what have you, for whatever reason. You know, I'm, I'm thinking too much. Like when we do that, you know, I have to have an explanation of, like, why do we, you know, rub our hands together like that? It doesn't need an explanation. Somebody once said, well, you know, when you're sitting in meditation and you're in the meditation uh, mudra, you're building up a lot of energy in your hands and, and you know, you're, you're kind of you know, revitalizing your face. So I kind of like conceptualizations like that, but probably has nothing to do with anything, you know, it's just thoughts. Uh, so, you know, kind of bodyfulness uh, is what I kind of wanted to, I guess, talk about. And uh, uh, like recently, I, I, I was bragging to people, oh, I haven't been sick in a year and a half, and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I almost immediately, a couple of weeks ago, got a pretty severe flu. And, uh, you know, it was like devastating. I mean, it was, uh, I could, I, literally two weeks, I could hardly do anything. Uh, but it really brought me back into my body, you know. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, I, I rediscovered that, yes, I do have a body. And uh, it's not feeling very good. But I was able to, you know, uh, start taking care of it, making soup. I had a little uh, aromatherapy diffuser that I got for Christmas. I, I thought I'd try taking vitamins, reading books. I had all these books from months ago that I've never had the time to read. I just thought, you know, I'm going to relax and just read them and take some time off. And it was like a real kind of somatic experience because I found I was kind of getting back downstairs a bit. And uh, I guess some people just are always thinking, and I'm, I'm one of those people. Uh, we're studying a book by Pema Chodron, No Time to Lose, and uh, in one of her podcasts, she talks about how she seems to have a very active mind. She's very honest when you, when you hear her in person. And, uh, you know, that seems to be a, a case with a lot of us these days. And, uh, you know, mindfulness, um, as we all know, you know, is kind of, and the way it's taught, particularly by Western um, authors or, or teachers, concentrates primarily on the breath and uh, 
postures, you know, body awareness. Uh, it doesn't get that much into the other three categories, feelings, uh, mind, consciousness, and uh, uh, Dhamma reflections. Um, and for good reason. I mean, you know, like it, because the other ones require some experience of, of, of uh, the first, um, you know, mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of posture, and, and bodily awareness. Um, this morning, I, like we had this wonderful meal last night, but I was pretty tired. I got home. I'm lying on the couch, and it's very relaxing, you know, and the animals are fed at 10 o'clock. And by 10.30, they're all asleep. And I'm lying on the couch, looking at the ceiling, and the, the dog, one of the cats, is snoring. So before I know it, it's like 5.30 in the morning. You know, I've slept there all night. Uh, and I look to my side, and my dog is staring at me. You know, literally two feet away, with these big black eyes, you know, just looking at me. You know, and so I thought, oh, you know, it's too early to get up. And six o'clock, he's still there, you know, just two feet away, he's a pug mix, unblinking, staring at me. 6.15, he's still. Finally, 6.30, he barks, you know. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, like he's, so I'm, I'm kind of, it was like a koan, like what is he, what does he see, you know. Hopefully, uh, he sees me that, you know, that thing, I, I want to become the person my dog thinks I am. So, <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, what, he's obviously present, he's embodied, he's there, he's like a shadow, you know, he's just, uh, and, uh, you know, pets, um, you know, dogs, cats, what have you, are incredibly grounding. And they really kind of bring you back to your own body because they're just so there. Um, and you know, it. Um, you know, the uh, Buddhist practices. Uh, you know, this component of of the body, uh, somatic uh, experience, embodiment. Um, well, Carl Jung, for example, said. Um, couple of interesting things. He said, uh, disembodiment is, uh, is required for neurosis. You know, you can't be embodied and be neurotic at exactly the same time. Um, you know, to, to get back into your body, it's like when we do our retreats, and in fact, most Buddhist retreats I've been on at other places, like at Satipanya or what have you, you know, you do a, a seated meditation, and then you do a walking meditation, and you know they they quite often uh, go one after the other. If you were a Dharma guardian or Dharma student practicing here, or just a member who had a regular practice, uh, you would start the day by doing prostrations, because if you just get out of bed and you sit down, you know you're probably not going to be fully there. So we do prostrations. Uh, you know, ideally 108. And uh, after you do them, or you do 36, you're ready to sit. You know, you're, you're embodied. And, uh, you know, so we do the prostrations, we do a, a sitting, and then we do a kind of a short service or yable. 
And our retreats, the same thing. They're about, you know, embodying. The, the retreat begins with, with uh, I don't do we still do the cold water rub down? At least in, in uh, summer, uh, you know, Sunam would have a cold water rub down. You, you take towels and cold water and rub yourself. And then you do exercises. And then you do prostrations. And the whole day would be, you know, there'd be a lot of meditation, but there'd be a lot of, of uh, kind of physical grounding. Uh, walking, maybe running meditation. Uh, there'd be, you know, work practice. And when the interview occurs, you run up the stairs, you know. So there's kind of an alternation of being totally uh, still and quiet in meditation. And then kind of more kind of extreme activity sometimes. And uh, uh, so, so embodiment, uh, body fullness is, well, you know, I mean, when somebody is fully present, uh, when they're fully embodied, almost everything becomes, to my mind, meditation. You know, if you're brushing your teeth, if you're taking a shower, you don't have to be seated. If you're there and if your mind is not running, it's kind of auto-commentary and you're just there, um, what is it really a meditation? It's just naturally being there. Like my, my dog, of course my dog may be thinking it's, it's time to eat more than anything else and he's just trying to psych me out, but he might not be. He might be really in a, some sort of deep state. And, uh, you know, the, I'm, after this uh, service, my, my daughter is doing uh, a yoga uh, fundraiser at uh, Spirit Loft on Carla. And uh, yoga is the same thing, you know. Yoga is bringing you back into your body. People are stressed out after a day at the office. You know, you've got to be mindful if you're going to get through the yoga class. Uh, and um, so now a big thing is cycling, apparently. Like Soul Cycle and some of these other companies, apparently it's becoming an almost cult in terms of, uh, you know, getting people into this almost euphoric state. And uh, we're not going to have unicycles here or what have you, but it's, it's basically... Uh, this sort of trend of people to kind of try to get back and counter the, the effect of the internet and your device and, and you know, too much media, uh, kind of digital saturation. Um, like, minds are, are, if anything, going faster. Like, people, again, like Pema Chodron have noted that instead of being able, people being able to sit uh, because Buddhism is getting a little bit more rooted in the West, instead of people being able to sit longer, people are actually able, not able to sit as long as even 10 years ago. Uh, people, she used to have 40-minute sittings and 30-minute sittings, and a lot of her sittings now were 20 minutes. Uh, because people, I guess, are just, you know, too wired up with, with everything, being pushed by not only the media, but by, you know, by a, a lot of emotional fears and things like that. Uh, there are just so many things happening. Embodiment is also a, uh, a great way uh, to not just be aware of, of your 
breathing or your, or your body, but also emotions, you know, because emotions, um, and Kapoom knows a lot about this, uh, you know, are, are basically largely uh, conceptualized. But to actually feel a basic emotion, and Paul Ekman, I guess he was saying that uh, essentially there's, there's only about, there's hundreds and hundreds of emotions if one were to look them up. There's only six basic emotions, or five basic emotions, uh, according to um, uh, Ekman, and, and they are, uh, the only positive one is joy, and then there's surprise, disgust, sadness, anger, uh, and there may be one other one. If you can kind of get down to that level, at least you know you're, you're kind of dealing with a raw energy of the emotion. You're not, and and then even more basic than that is just the sensation, the physical sensation, what you actually are feeling. Um, you know, what are you feeling in your body? Is it is it tightening? Is it uh, pressure? Is it heat? Where is it in the body? What we actually try to do because that's not the way we, we think, basically, is when we're um, under some anxiety, we're late for something, we're in a traffic jam, we've got to be somewhere, is we get create this big story about the whole thing. You know, uh, like we're going to die because we're going to be late for the interview, and, you know, it's not my fault because... There's a traffic jam here, and the city's not spending enough money on the highways. You know, going on and on and on. <laughs> um, or, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, I should have left 15 minutes earlier. You know, I'm lazy, I'm good for nothing. I deserve to not get the... You know, it's, it becomes a story. If you actually are just there in your car, your air-conditioned car, you're on a nice, comfortable seat, you're not dying. You know, you're just there. I mean, there's no big deal about it. It's your mind is is taking you on this trip. And in fact, you know, actually you're feeling quite comfortable. And, uh, you know, so mindfulness is something, well, mindfulness, I guess a classical definition is um, to pay attention in a particular way uh, without commentary. And that without commentary is a, a huge thing because we're always going through this kind of inner storyline involving ourselves and uh, kind of autobiographical um, uh, dialogue, internal dialogue. And we, we, you know, we don't see the fact that we're with other people quite often. We, we don't see the kind of mosaic in front of us. And it's the opposite of oneness, you know. It's like... Um, like we're all over the place. And, you know, the, the beauty of meditation, beauty, beauty of, of embodied meditation, and embodiment, somatic practice, is that, you know, we, we kind of get away from these thoughts. These thoughts, as I've, I've mentioned before, are, are not real because they're not in, in the present. The thoughts have to do with something in the past, they have something to do with the future. Uh, they always have to have something to do 
with something that's not occurring right now. If you're just in the present moment, it's kind of hard to think about something, you know, that's exactly now. You're just here, just now, just this. What are you going to think about? You're going to compare the rug to something in the past. You're going to compare the temperature to your home. You know, you're going to have to go either back in time or forward in time to think about anything. Um, uh, what's his name? Earhart? Um, I forget his first name. Or is that his name? Uh, he talks about in Power of Now uh, thoughts as being almost like a, a, an autonomous being that doesn't want you to be in the present moment, that doesn't want you to develop your own spiritual practice because they have no control in the present moment. So if you ever sit down and, you know, if you don't do your prostrations in the morning, if you don't try to get embodied, quite often, at least I can always speak for myself, your thoughts will start to intrude into your meditation. And they'll, they'll say, oh, this is boring, I've got to get to work. I got to get to Starbucks, you know. I mean, they, they you know, they, they don't want you there because, and they're, they're always negative. You know, they don't want you to develop a practice, uh, and it's because it has no power in the present moment, and the 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 power of now is just being there and accepting the situation. Uh, Adyashanti, who's a West Coast teacher, talks about meditation and the three requisites he feels in, in natural meditation is you let go of control, you accept everything as it is, and then when one is sort of sufficiently there, you establish some type of spiritual inquiry. But letting go of control and accepting everything, just let everything be as it is. That's very hard for people to do. Even in your own room, in your own practice, it's hard to just let things be as, as they are. We always have to try to improve things or get things done. And again, the, the future or the past kind of push themselves into our practice. And, you know, the body is in real time for the most part. Um, you know, anyway, I've... Uh, I think I've said enough, and uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs>